Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Enlightened investors, what a thrill to be back with you again today. I'm your host, Dr. Alan. Today, we explore a topic near and dear to my heart, apartment investing for the working professionals. Our guest, Rodney Robinson, is a full-time supply chain management professional who is growing a Florida-based real estate investment business. He manages his personal rentals while growing his multifamily investment business, Robinson Capital, and seeks to help others learn to invest in real estate and in multifamily opportunities. Rodney, before we get into apartment investing for working professionals, share a memorable experience from your formative years that helped you to be the person you are today. Well, that's a good question and one I've never heard before. So it actually got me thinking when I listened to some of your other podcasts. I think for me, the earliest memory during my formative years was when I was probably three years old and I lived in Puerto Rico. And believe it or not, I was actually in a high chair and my mom was cooking. And I don't know what she was cooking, but the towel caught fire and oh, fell wow. to the, the ground. Uh-huh. So she screamed. And then my dad runs in in his underwear and his t-shirt and socks and just stops it out. So, you know, the second part of it, how did that shape me? I don't know. It's a funny story. And I think it might be one of my earliest memories. I think the first thought I have is it reminds me of the family, the importance of family. You know, my dad came to save us. Maybe it was a near emergency. Maybe it wasn't, but it, it could have been pretty bad and it just reminds me of you know how close our family was when I was younger. And now that I'm a father, how I want to be that for my family and my children. Yeah. Well, cool. So were you born in Puerto Rico? No. So my dad was actually in the Navy oh, and okay. my earliest memories were Puerto Rico because just mm-hmm. as soon as I was born in Jacksonville, Florida, my family, my, my mom and my dad moved me to Puerto Rico. So oh. We were there for about three years and I lived everywhere from Memphis, Tennessee, Pensacola, Florida, Virginia Beach, back to Jacksonville, Florida, got married after college in Orlando. And now I'm here in Melbourne, Florida, did some moving and came back to Melbourne. But (laughs) so every three to five years of my life, we've moved around. And I think that's definitely shaped who I am. Yeah, that probably does have a great deal to do with how you got shaped there. Well, interesting. Well, you started out as a leasing agent in college. And so that was really your first foray into real estate. Well, tell us a little bit about your story from leasing agent to supply chain professional and finally into single family rentals. Definitely. It was really cool how I got that job as a leasing agent. So I went to the University of Central Florida in Orlando across the street there was UCF affiliated housing. I got an opportunity in my first few years there because the dorms were kind of packed. So I was able to to get an apartment, which was pretty awesome. One day, my roommate must have been making some noise because we got a complaint, a written complaint, which I take seriously. I, I don't like you know any sort of warnings or anything like that that implies that bad behavior is on my part. So of course, I had to go rat my roommate out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I went to the leasing office and I told them, you know, hey, there's some noise in there. I just want you to know it's not me. And 
she thanked me. She was probably like, what is this guy doing here? And I said, by the way, as I'm eating popcorn and wearing a uh, UCF hoodie, I applied here. I wonder if you have my resume on file. And right there on the spot, I got a job as a leasing agent, a job I've never done. It was my first real job after high school. And from there, we were signing leases, showing the property with a, a group of other young leasing agents that were also students. It was probably the most exciting job I had. And of course, at the time, I had no idea it would have any indication or there would be skills that I'd develop in managing my own rentals, learning about asset management and, and growing this business that I'm doing now. But when I think back, I'm like, man, that was a really good foundation to start on. So I did it for a few years. There was a lot of competition. Who can do the most leases? We worked through different things with uh, complaints on behalf of the tenants, which were really the parents because we're talking about students here. And there, were, there was a lot of problem solving, but I really enjoyed my time there, even though I later got a job and began working in supply chain management. But that was pretty much what started. And you asked about how I got in the single family. So I basically met my wife who was also working at a very similar property. It was a sister property. And at the time, I just kind of liked her a lot. So short story is we got married and I moved to Melbourne where I got my first job, which isn't far from Orlando. It's about an hour. And then we got married and I started my job in supply chain management because I had done an internship while in college also. So I was working a few different jobs. But since then, I just grew in the whole supply chain management thing. I, you know, it's a, it's a field. It's my profession, just like a lot of your listeners. And I decided in 2013 that I'm going to study real estate because that that is exactly what I want to do. At the time, I was going to be a let's buy some single family rentals and grow my career, continue to work up the ladder. As I grew my family, I decided that I have to be honest with myself. A few years ago, my desires have changed. I don't want to continue to grow up the ladder grow up the ladder. I want to continue to add value to the company and the organization that I work for, but I really want to grow this business. So we bought our first rental property in 2019. We fixed it up. We rented it out in two months and those tenants are still there. The house my wife and I bought for our primary residence in 2016 became our first rental when we moved out of it in 2020. So where we are today is we have two properties that have grown immensely in value over the last few years. The cash flow well, it's a great proof of concept. Do I want to buy another single family home? Probably not. I decided I'm going to really focus on multifamily and I learned about this thing called syndication. So I want to focus on the active side, but in the process of building my platform, working on this blog and you know talking to other people, I am so passionate about the value that exists for working professionals. People that are just like I was many years ago, that they want to continue in their job, they're really good at what they do, but they want some exposure outside of their 401k and their typical stock investing or paper assets. So that's where I am today. Well, a great place to be. So it was really about five years ago that you really decided you wanted to go into real estate. Was it because of those leasing experiences or was there some other kind of bug that was planted? That's a good question. I would say it's not because, but those experiences may have shaped me in ways that I may not have even known. I think those skill sets and the, the passion of making a difference in a community and in other people's lives really was the foundation. I think what really caused my desire to want to go into real estate is, you know, there's the investor side, the investment aspect of it. But I also think there's the community side. Now that you mention it, and this is the first time I ever thought of it since working back in that season, the appreciation from parents when they got matched with a good roommate, this is student housing, so it's a lot different. But when they got matched with a, a good roommate, the appreciation of solving certain problems or concerns that they had, having a really good experience, getting a renewal, parents coming back, signing renewal leases and, and thanking me, 
And then watching those students grow from freshman to sophomore to junior, you know, start getting facial hair on their faces. I think that's something that's very gratifying. And now today, when I think about what the vision is for Robinson Capital and the vision is for the impact I want to make through multifamily, there's that side where we help working professionals invest and get exposure to real estate, diversify. But there's this other side that I really don't hear many, many people talking about, and that's making a difference in a community providing safe housing for people, really offering a place where people love where they live and are proud to live there. So you really helped me connect the dots just now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is an important aspect of this business. And I think you're right. It is just, I think a lot of people in this business think about that, but it's kind of, I guess, laid to the side and not the first thing that uh, that they think about. We think of profits and value add and overall yeah. investment strategies and forget right. what the, the really the whole purpose of actually being in this market is providing housing that people can be proud of and, uh, and happy. And both people, live. both sides can win. I mean, you can, I made a blog post once that says, who is the customer if you're investing in rental property? Is it your investor or is it the people that live in the property and pay rent? And it's just like, who's the customer when you own a public company and you have a service to your employees who work hard and provide the, you know, the earning power of the company and, or the shareholders who invest in the company so that they can continue to grow. And I think the answer is both. And it's a, it's a very delicate balance, but you could actually do both. You can grow well for your investors and you can really do a service to the, the residents there and, and the community without killing them every single, like, for example, one of the biggest, as you know, driving factors of growth is net operating, net operating income and growing, growing rents. You know, there are many ways to create value other than right off the bat raising rent by 5%. But that's one way. There's operational value add that includes lowering expenses, improving the, the property, and, and eventually, you know, consistently, steadily, but subtly raising rents over time, which really helps people. And also, it kind of creates a motivation to continue to earn income and grow their income with the rising cost of living. So anyway, I just think about a lot of those things lately. And that's kind of the mission for what we're trying to accomplish. Well, talk to us about this aspect of understanding the value and the wealth building power of real estate. Yeah. So I like to speak very simply because my target audience are people just like me. We're working professionals that you can get into the fine details of an individual deal and, and how the typical syndication works. But very simply, whether you're talking about single family or multifamily value creation. First of all, real estate is one of the foundations of life. Like you need it, like you need water and like you need food, it's shelter. So there's demand there. And as long as you're investing in the right markets where there's population growth, there are jobs, there are things like that. Here's what you can expect. You can expect appreciation over time, the value of the property increases. You can expect cash flow, which is primarily from rental income. You can expect debt pay down because someone else is paying down your mortgage, the value, sorry, your equity, which is the difference between the appreciation and what you owe increases. And then there are, of course, tax advantages. And when you're talking about multifamily investing, you still have exposure to each of those wealth building levers. And I think put simply, that's, that's why anyone should be interested in real estate, even if they have a 401k or a stock or stocks, and especially if they have those as their primary tools for building wealth. We'll be right back after a brief announcement. 
Are you a busy professional passionate about the work of your calling yet realize that even though you love what you are doing, you're exchanging your time for money? You know that if you were to lose the ability to exchange time for money, your financial well-being will be in jeopardy. If you can relate, I have great news. Steve Talker Capital is an investment company designed for professionals to develop financial independence built on solid passive real estate investments. Remove the anxiety of an uncertain financial future and go to steedtalker.com. Get your free one-page 10-step guide to passive real estate investing. Absolutely. We'll talk about the difference between earned income and passive income. First of all, earned income is taxed more heavily than passive income. Secondly, earned income requires you to get out your bed every single day. And in this environment of working remotely, putting on pants if you have to go to work. And it doesn't mean it's wrong. And I want to clearly distinguish that because a lot of people, they talk about, they, they make it sound like you're doing the wrong thing by working a job. And many people love their jobs. You're a psychologist and I'm sure you loved what you do and you love what you do, but there are others that also love what they do. Engineers, program managers, project engineers, doctors, attorneys. So there's nothing wrong with earned income. The thing is, as we get older, especially, but in any case, we have responsibilities. If we have deeper passions that are also outside of our, the, the great work that we do every day, passive income is amazing because especially if you haven't felt it before, when you get that first rent check or when you get that rent check and then you pay off your, pay your mortgage and then you have what's left in your bank account. And you're like last month, that was nothing. And now it's something, which was what I felt when I, you know, with our first rent rental property, that's, it's an amazing tool. So there are tax benefits of passive income. The real benefit is once you snowball that, which is a journey that I'm on and I want to help others to do, you actually do you can, there's a chance that you can raise your passive income to match or even exceed your earned income. And there are so many people doing that. So real estate in a, income, rental income, income from disbursements from your passive investing. It, it really, it's amazing when you think about not having to necessarily work for that, but putting your money at work and your money is going to earn more dollars for you. That in combination with your listeners and you know people like us who are, are working with their earned income, it just gives you a new desire for channeling that earned income into the passive investing machine and continuing to reinvest and grow a legacy for your family or have the ability to take some time off of work, go on trips or serve in your church or whatever your important mission is in life. Isn't it interesting that really our whole tax system is structured on rewarding passive income rather than earned income? It is. And the, of course, the vast majority of people in this country are relying upon earned income and are essentially being penalized by the tax system that we currently have. And that is, of course, because it is the wealthy individuals who are living off of passive income who yep. are really influential in how that tax system is structured and how our tax system is written. Yep, that's true. And there's also an incentive on the government's part for investment to happen. Investment Absolutely. grows the economy. True. And the thing is, this is what I'm passionate about. I'm feeling it. When are the people that I grew up with and my family and friends and a lot of people that I know and anybody, you know, at the grocery store at work, they may not know this, but we all have access to the same, these same strategies. So we are not necessarily disadvantaged as we think, as disadvantaged as we may think some of us are, but the real disadvantage is in our knowledge. And today with all this technology, anyone can go right now, if they have the self-control and this discipline enough 
to learn what it is that the wealthy are doing so that they can take advantage of these great opportunities in real estate, the tax advantages and so on. So I just want to make that point too. That's very, very true. And there's so many free opportunities to learn how to do this. Right. And yet there are not very many people who have come from wealthy families who have the mentors to guide them into this. And yet, if you want to look for it, those opportunities are certainly out there. But if you haven't had a mentor and a guide and you haven't been blessed with coming from that family, it is a whole different mindset. Yeah. It isn't just a matter of educating. It is it is a matter of developing a very different mindset from what most of us have come from. That is a very good point. I, I fully agree with that. So that's why, like with the blog, for example, my passion is to educate others and take them on a journey so that they're learning what I'm learning as I'm learning. And hopefully over time, that mindset is being conditioned for being able to to think differently or to adopt a new form of thinking, more of a that of a producer, less of a consumer, understanding simply the difference between an asset and a liability. And an asset isn't simply something that increases in value, as many people think or something that there are lots of definitions, but Robert Kiyosaki's definition is something that puts money in your pocket. The difference is it is income producing, not something you hold on to hoping that you could sell it and make money like a car. So little things like that. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, how important that mindset is. I'm I'm a teacher and I had a student just this morning who was talking to me. They had come through some very, very difficult situations themselves. And this is the difference in mindset. She was very thrilled and very happy because they have finally gotten in a position where they have some credit. And so the first thing they went out and did was they bought a $45,000 vehicle. And you know, I can see from the expression on your face (laughs) that that was not the best thing for them to do. Yeah, But that's the difference in mindsets. The student was very thrilled that they were in that position to do that. Yeah, And I'm glad that they're in that position. I just wish they had made a different decision. Yeah, but, that's a good point. Someone that I really admire that's well known is Warren Buffett and his mindset. I finally finished this 800 book biography that was written a few years ago on his life. But you can read just a few pages and understand his mindset. The decision that you just outlined, he would probably look at what that those $45,000 started with and compare to what they could be 10 years from now. So, and his example, his wife bought some, and this is okay because sometimes you're going to buy furnishings for your house and you're going to, as long as you know what the difference is. And I think that's the number one thing. But in this case, they had spent a number of dollars to furnish their, their house. And he said that he lost a certain amount of money, which far exceeded the amount of money that they spent to furnish their house. And the reason why is because his mindset was so strong on the compounding power of investing that he was he was talking about the missed opportunities from investing with those buttons. Well, we're running out of time here, but just talk to us just a little bit about the goals for Robinson Capital. Yeah. So at this point, I've been working really hard on reaching people. I thank you for this opportunity to be on the show. These are the great opportunities that I love to talk and network and and reach what I believe is the same target audience, working professionals that are interested in diversifying and, and taking part in the great wealth building power of real estate. So I write on a blog where today I have 100 blog posts. I have an offer that I give free for people that sign up with their email address. It's the Passive Investor Startup Guide, where it kind of walks through what it looks like to be a passive investor, why apartments are really awesome, and how it could work for a working professional to invest. And also on the business side, 
I'm working on finding some really cool partners, you know, people that can underwrite really well, people that are in the markets that I'm interested in and letting the whole function of time happen. And I look forward to being able to do some really great things and, and help investors and communities in the future. Sounds wonderful and excellent. Well, Rodney, you have talked a little bit about your blog. How can people find your blog and how can people connect with you? So I wish that I could just say, Google my name and you'll find me. <laughs> Not there. <laughs> Not there. But I bet there's a lot of Rodney Robinsons out yeah, there. Yeah, there is. And there's this one teacher of the year. He must be an amazing teacher. If you look <laughs> up Rodney Robinson, he's right there on the, the first page. <laughs> but my name, Rodney Robinson, second. So that's the Roman numerals, ii.com. And that's where my blog is. You'll, you can find me on LinkedIn. If you do search my name, you will see my LinkedIn page. And that's where I'm very active sharing information on real estate and just connecting. Wonderful. Well, Rodney, one last question before we close out the show here. Share with us one of your most difficult setbacks in life. How did you come through that experience? And what did you learn from that experience? Oh, that's good. Actually, the first part of that question, I was struggling. I knew I was going to struggle, but I, I think I have one. And it's not really a, a setback. It was just a resetting of thinking. So when my wife and I got married, we had student loans and we had credit card debt. And I envisioned a marriage without that. I envisioned starting my life at zero, meaning you know, you're positive, not negative in your net worth. So I think the setback was like, man, how are we going to get over $60,000 of personal debt? You know, I have much bigger vision than, than owing somebody for the rest of my life. So it was a setback mentally, but it was also good that it bothered me enough to do something about it. So my wife and I, with some teamwork, many years of marriage, many seasons, live in different places, me work in different places. We paid it off in 2016, which I think was a great foundation for us to say, all right, now we're where we want to be. And let's let's really start to build this vision together. So I would say that was probably the bigger setback in my adult life. Student debt is a huge setback, and there are a lot of people burdened with it. We really need to do something about the student loan debt problem because it is holding a lot of people back, and it is really putting the brakes on our entire economy. Congratulations on you for coming through that. What did you learn from that experience? And thank you, by the way. I think what I learned is it's very easy to make mistakes if you're not thinking about those mistakes. So it's very hard to build something. It's very easy to destroy something. And with each decision we make without recognizing or without the discipline or the awareness of what the impact is, we're digging ourselves either deeper into a hole or out of a hole. And I think awareness is number one. It doesn't mean you don't ever buy a liability. You don't buy a car. You don't buy a house. You just have to be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. But if you're not careful and you don't understand the impact and then the compounding impact, the same way that positive decisions make, you know, they compound and, and result in greater, bigger things, negative decisions can downwardly spiral. And sometimes people wake up and they're like, how did I get here? Honestly, that's my biggest fear. It's probably not a healthy fear, to be honest. But I think that people probably should have a healthy fear of making bad decisions. And it's not just one bad decision. It's mainly those small, consistent bad decisions over time or the small, consistent decisions that don't help. Like, you know, going to Starbucks every single day if you're trying <laughs> to find saving money to invest. I heard a statistic, by the way, that the average, and it's a very old statistic and it's probably outdated. But the average Starbucks customer, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree, spends $5,000 every year on Starbucks. 
That really shouldn't surprise me because that's a very <laughs> expensive coffee. And if you have to yeah. do that every single day, I can see how that could add up to $5,000. And yeah. my, how that $5,000 could be earning income instead of burning a hole in your pocket. That's uh, right. Yeah. Very interesting there. Well, Rodney, a very enjoyable conversation. And I'm so glad we got together today to have a few moments here together. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Alan. I had a great time. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com. 